What up? Welcome to a podcast with Mo. I am Mo. This is episode 160. On this episode, we are joined by Koopy, where we talk about the TV shows we've been watching, um, some puzzles. I talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake, and then we go over all the books that she has read in, uh, I guess that's April. And uh, then we talk about our ancestry for some reason at the end. So anyway, thanks for checking us out. podcast with mo what up we're joined by koopy hello um on the podcast a lot lately yes because of quarantine because of quarantine um i've gotten i think the normal podcast handle but you have stepped on two music podcasts one's out one's gonna be out so people have really gotten to know you Yes, I'm. I'm hope I'm not turning away your music fans uh, with my lack of music knowledge. First off, we don't have many fans, um, if any, and um, the one, the few we do have are always like, "Oh, cool, Koopy's on this one." So, well, thanks, everyone. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I gotta get to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash A Podcast with Mo. Um, I'd be cool if you gave me money. I understand if you don't want to. Um, but if you give a dollar a month, you'll get early access to the podcast. And if you give enough, you can be a co-producer like Hurricane Haynes, my mother, Marshall Darmanish to Bear, and Pow Wow and Snappy. Thank you. Faux show. Um, and we have a merch shop. I, yes. I think I explained this the last episode, but I can't remember. I, I was trying to work on some new merch, but then I was like, honestly, I don't like any of it. It all seems kind of forced. And I think just the normal, the logo just makes the most sense, you know? So it's not like I could do like a catchphrase. You know, I was going to do a picture of Skinny with, hey, or like just, <laughs> or just like Snappy's picture. But I was like, because I know Snappy would want to buy one of himself. Um, but, you know, I was like, yeah, but it's just, I don't know. I thought we talked about doing a tie dye one. Well, that's. That doesn't. There's not that option. Oh. So I don't think we ever did. Well, in my mind, I think you need a tie dye one for summer. Yeah, I mean, it'll be cool to make a tie dye one. I'm not gonna get white ones tie dye them myself, but that's a lot of extra steps. So right now, people can just go to a website that does it all for me. But um, I know you like to tie dye. I do. I've had a tie dye kit in my Amazon shopping cart. But I didn't go through with it because then you have to get the shirts and then you need the rubber bands and it just didn't happen. But I think sometime this summer, it's been a while since I've right. tie-dyed. Definitely could do it. Uh, my problem is I have a very long torso in my body proportions. And so a lot of shirts very quickly become too short. And uh, the tie-dye shirt, something about that process seemed to shorten them up even more. Well, when you wash them to get all the dye out, you have to... D- I can't remember if it's like really hot water. I feel like you have to wash them in really hot water. Yeah. So whatever it is, I just remember it like always makes them kind of short. And then you see a little bit of my belly, which nobody's trying to see that. Um, well, we could always size up. That's what I do. But then the shoulders would be way too big. Yeah, I don't think about that. So anyway, uh, we'll think about it. Ta-da, summer project could yes. happen. Um. Anything else I need to talk about before we get to your book stuff? Um, we've watched lots of TV because of quarantine. Yeah, I've watched. Uh, I've started recently rewatching Schitt's Creek, which is my office. That's exactly what I said the last episode. So I love Schitt's Creek. I think it's funny, and I've 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 watched it multiple seasons, multiple times, but I haven't gone back and started from 
just season one and watched it all the way through. So right. that's what I'm doing. I just, the episodes go really fast. So that's what I started recently. Right. I'm still a little confused and not that it matters. Um, the main character, whatever, you know, the guy who created the show, he's, I thought he was gay, but then in the early seasons, he's like kind of also interested in girls. I think he's gender fluid and sexual fluid or whatever it's called. Right. Like he just loves love, man. Right. Uh, but it, to me, he just seems very much like, oh, he's just a gay guy. He's he's metrosexual, as they used to say. <laughs> yeah, back that's in what the they day. called it, for sure. Um, that's he, what people call me because I use lotion. He likes luxury. So that's why I no longer use lotion. <laughs> They bullied me out of it. Well, you need to. Your hands are dry. Um, we've also been watching Mrs. America. Yeah, on Hulu. We need to. I think we missed one this week. We need to. Yeah, check but there's it a out. new one for sure. We finish or almost finished. We have one episode left of Hunters. Right, and Hunters. I talked about the podcast a little bit. Started off real good. Um, kind of in the middle. I think it's kind of a lot of filler episodes or whatever. Like they could have. I don't know. We'll see how it ends. Here at the end, it's gotten good again. But there in the middle, I was kind of like, ah. I think we maybe just watched too many episodes close together. I know we were kind of spacing them out, but maybe we should have spaced it out more. And then there's also that stand-up show. Stand-up show? It's not. It's like improv. Oh, um, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Schwartz. It's hard to say. So, um, yeah, I like this a lot. We have to get back on that one. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, Thomas Middleditch is uh, Richard on Silicon Valley, who's the main character of that. And he's kind of like a big nerd on that show, you know, and he's very... Uh, Socially awkward. Right. But the only other thing I've seen him in, I can't remember what it is right now, he was in another movie where he had like a real big southern accent. And when I always see it, I'm always like, oh, shit, I forget. So like, I always knew he could do voices, right, for the fact he doesn't do that at all on Silicon Valley. And so when him and uh, Schwartz, I can't remember the dude's first name, Ben Schwartz, I believe, um, who, if you watch Parks and Recreation, is John Ralphio. So he's the one that's like howling a, like a wolf and shit all the time. <laughs> like, oh, he's fucking hilarious. Jenny Slate's brother. Yeah, Jenny Slate plays a sister in it. Um he is one of my favorite characters of anything on that show. So I was, a, so them two came on Conan's podcast when they, they were filming this, but like way before it came out and talking about it. Cause Conan started off doing improv as well, but he wasn't good. His, his whole bit, he would say, would be like, I would then just say something that wasn't a joke, but like it was a joke. And, uh, so, but since then, I've been like, oh, I can't wait till this comes out. So we watched the first two episodes and they just talked to the audience and they're like, tell us a story. Like the first one, like they're like, oh, we got married. Here's everyone in the wedding yeah, party. Yeah, they were going. Yeah, wedding was coming up. Right, and so then, uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. They met in a parking lot. They uh, improv out the story with them two playing all the characters, and so you have to kind of like I'm not sure. I mean, you have to be kind of smart, I think, to enjoy improv, or like your brain has to work in a certain way that you enjoy that performative arts thing like you would have to be the type that could go into like the black box theater and watch people do a play but not actually in costumes you have to be like cool with that shit to enjoy improv and like it kind of did throw me off at first because i was expecting them to just stick with two characters but then it turned into them playing like Like an ensemble yeah Yeah. and then one would go into one the other one was playing and And sometimes they forget who they're playing yeah so it's all really funny it's like you know 30 to 40 minute episode straight through like there's no breaks it's it you definitely it's live. reminds me of whose line is it anyways but right. with two people yeah but with two people and 
even less rules. Right. And it's just one long sketch. Right. Like one episode is one scenario. And I think my favorite part, because something I've learned, I've started to realize about myself for our shows, like, yes, I love comedies, but my favorite part of comedies are when they get like real, like real, like that episode of Dave, which we'll talk about in a minute because we've been watching that, of Gata. You know, Gata's episode gets so fucking real and you're like, oh shit. And like Atlanta done the same thing where it's like funny, funny. And then it's like. Black people are mistreated in America. Like, it'll be just something so serious. You're like, fuck. Yeah. Like, I enjoy when comedies can go dark. Like, all of uh, Danny McBride's stuff uh, gets really Ricky dark. Gervais. Ricky Gervais. We've been Gervais. watching uh, Afterlife. Afterlife. Yeah, Ricky Gervais gets really dark. Um, so, I enjoy uh, any of that that sort of stylings myself. Um, but, yeah, Dave was pretty good. We just watched the finale of that. Um, I have been saying how everyone else on the internet loves it way more than me. Um I saw the twist of episode nine coming because I was familiar with Lil Dicky's music and he had a song that was basically that episode that explained right. it. And so I've known that was coming forever, but only because Lil Dicky on Twitter has been like, y'all aren't going to see what's coming episode nine. I was like, well, clearly this is going to happen. You know, I won't ruin it, people. But I was like, I've just, I know his music. Um, and then episode 10, when it started off, I thought it was going to be a 30 minute musical, like one 30 minute song. And I was so hyped, but at about like, Five minutes, it stopped. I mean, it's still a really good. Oh, it was awesome. Solid, and they did an awesome thing with the episode. Yeah, and, and I, and I think honestly, I'm glad that it didn't continue because it. I mean, there wouldn't have been a story for the episode, right? Oh, see, like I thought they were pitching that all happen so that for season two or whatever they had at the end was going to be like. Two years later, you know, after right. he did his jail sentence or whatever. Like, I was like, oh, that's fun. But then they were like, okay, that's just his song. But it's, it worked really well. It's on Hulu if you don't have right. cable. Um, right. Dave is really good on there. Um, what else did we just mention? Afterlife, some. we mentioned. Afterlife, season two. So Ricky Gervais uh, is amazing. He's just fucking awesome. Yeah, it's, he's, it's really good. He has another show called Derek that we watched. Right. That is also very, very good. But... And on both of them, well, at least on Derek, I came into it expecting him to be very offensive because he plays like a mentally challenged person. And you're like, oh, my God, Ricky Gervais, that guy's going to play a mentally. Like, he's so lovable. <laughs> but like he kills it. And you're like, man, this is so good. He, that man deserves all the awards. Right. Just hand them to him. And then I'm pretty sure he writes his own shows. Know, writes, and, creates and all that. And well, we really got into him, honestly, uh, through the Ricky Gervais show. He, he had a podcast back in the day that they animated. Yeah, and then they drew it, and I I watched all those. And then they have the travel, and show. then they had this travel channel show, um, an idiot abroad, where yeah. his friend, him and Steve Merch would send their friend to all these places, and he hates traveling, and it was so funny. So we really knew it through that, um, and he's really funny in those. But he's well, he's a stand-up comedian too, and right. of course, We've everyone he has a lot of weird stories about cross-dressing, which is how I first heard of him. Right, and so I don't know. And so uh, anyway, newest show after life. His wife had cancer and died, and this is him moving on with life, but he basically wants to kill himself. Um, he hasn't. And uh, I, it's so just normal. He has a normal job. It's in England, which we don't really quite get some of the I dynamics of it. You know, it. Like they have like a little newspaper that serves 30 people, and that's fine. And you're like, what? Yeah, that's <laughs> like the overarching conflict is how do we keep this newspaper going? Right. And – um. It, it's weird because like you could, I can't be like, oh, it's about this one thing. It is what I said. His wife died and this guy just fucking moving on with life. Um, and it's all sad. And there's this hooker. Um, I don't know what they call him in England. She's a sex worker. Right. <laughs> Something um, like but that. But she's real sweet. You know, like 
they don't down they don't degrade her at all. She becomes like his best friend. It's it's good show. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I highly recommend that. Um, it is definitely one of those uh, tearjerker laughers. Though. It makes me cry, but I cry easily. Yeah. But I'm sure there's been other stuff that we've been watching, but those are the ones that really stick out. There was a Brew Brothers. Yeah, we watched a show that I think Pow Wow would really like, and a lot of other probably my listeners. Um, if you like the league, I think I mean it's from some co-creators. Some of the people that created the league also made this called Brew Brothers, and it's some guys that also reminds me a little bit of Beer Fest. Uh, they uh, own a brewery, and you know some shit happens on Netflix. Yeah, shenanigans, shenanigans ensue. Um, not really my thing these days. I would have enjoyed it probably ten years ago a lot more. Yeah, you know? yeah, I agree with that statement. It's definitely not my thing, but I could sit through it if somebody else really enjoyed it. Right. Um, Ink Master did not get to finish because of the COVID nineteen thing, so we enjoyed Ink Master a lot. I guess it was a three way tie. Yeah, I don't know how they said it. All I know is the day it came out, I didn't even think about it. I was like, "Hey, I just was on Twitter, and they just said, just tweeted the the tattoos, and we're like, we're not having a finale." So I don't know how the winner was chosen, or if they did a vote or anything. Maybe but they'll have just a delayed special episode in the future. Or something. Maybe, um, but we always really like Ink Master. So that was a bummer. Um, I mean, again, I know I mentioned last time you're on here, but I'm still sad Oliver Peck won't be on there anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. And then we've really got into Bob Ross. We watch a lot <laughs> of Bob Ross at night. And I am inspired to paint more. We need to get some canvas and have some Bob Ross nights. We could try it. We got, I think we could get oil painting. So and we like have to have. get that fancy little scalpel tool he uses for mountains. Right. And a so. fan brush. Those are his two favorites. Two-inch handbrush. <laughs> uh, and you got to have the paint thinner that you can dip your paint in and go. Yeah, beat the devil out of it. And then you also need titanium white. Titanium white is very important. Um, but, yeah, Bob Ross is pretty fucking good. Uh, they have two collections, to my knowledge, on Netflix, maybe more. But we're on the second one, so we're almost out of them. But We watched his son do a painting last night. Yeah, I was fucking, I felt betrayed. <laughs> but I was like, no, I'm here to watch goddamn Bob Ross, not Who's this guy? <laughs> Bob Ross Jr. over here with no fro. Seems fake to me. We've also been doing, besides shows, some puzzles. Yes, lots of puzzles in my life these days. We have officially, I worked four. I think you've helped with three. You did not help me with the hot air balloon one. Right. I did not. So you've helped me with three puzzles at this point. Um. Yeah, and I'll be Final Fantasy Seven. I was like ninety percent of it. I think super awesome. Uh, I really enjoy everything they did when they remade the original game. You know that part. Uh, then I told you yesterday, like this is all fucking stupid. They get to like where uh, end of disc one would be uh, the first time around. There's three discs, and that's how how it was pitched where this was going to end. And then you're they're like, hey, a portal opened up. Let's go through the portal. And you go through a portal, and then you're just fighting this big amalgamation of fucking nothing and everything. It's like, I'm fate, and you have to fight me. And I'm like, this is just like Persona or any of these other fucking Japanese roleplay. Like, it's just so cliche. And I'm like, just remake the original game. Like, I was super pissed, right? Yes, I remember you getting really mad. I was like, they ruined this whole story with this dumb shit. And so I beat the game, and then it kind of went on. Earlier in the game, there's these little fucking ghost things, a... Uh, trying to think what 
the mentors. They kind of look like the the, the mentorish, right? A little mm-hmm. more cartoony. And they kept like showing up and doing shit. And I was like, this isn't in the game, right? Like they, these weren't in the original game. I don't understand what this shit is. So I listened to a podcast that explained all this shit, and now I feel a little better about it. But I'm also still kind of like, well, I wish they wouldn't have done it. But um, I guess it's so that they're gonna those the mentors were to make sure you done exactly what happened in the first game. And then at the end, when you beat the fate, now it's saying in the future they can make a game that does whatever the fuck it wants and doesn't have to hold true to the original story because you beat fate. And it was them setting up boy, for their next game to be, it might be inspired by the old ones, but it might be its own fucking thing. And I'm like, well, if it's its own thing, I'm going to be really upset. Right, because you've just been waiting on this specific game remake for 10 years. Yeah, like 10 years at 10 least. 10 years, yeah. At least. And then they go and change it. Right. And I would say... It's actually probably been since, again, when the PlayStation 3 was announced, they done a tech demo of it, of like, hey, here's Final Fantasy VII if it ran on a PlayStation 3. And everyone like me was like, they're going to make this game. But they didn't technically announce it. And so, like, I would say since then, a lot of people have been like, oh, they're doing it. But then and now it just now happened. So, But other than those elements. It was awesome. I thought, like I said, I think 90% of it was like, oh, this is great. I can't believe they pulled this shit off. Um, think everything they did. As far as adapting it, making it work on currently, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Even better than I would have thought. So you still haven't beat that final? Game. No, I have. Okay. And then I've tried to start on the play a hard mode because there's a trophy to play on hard. And you even get to stay what level you are. Um, went to go play the first boss on hard. Lost seven times in a row after 30-minute battles last night. Because for whatever reason, again, Japanese games, they're like, you know what people like? Fighting a boss that's like a big damage sponge for 30 to 45 minutes. Which I'm like, this is not fun. I I totally agree. There is, that would not be fun. I do not understand how in video games, and this is, like again, a design choice, mostly Japanese developers, where they're like, no, people just want to do the same action for 40 minutes. And then hope they don't mess up. So it's like you want to get in some like you hit, you roll, roll, heal, hit. Like, you know, and you get these little things. You're like, all right, doing that for the next 40 minutes. And I'm like, no, this is fucking horrible. Yeah. Uh, no, I want to get that battle over with and move on to the next. Right. To me, it should be like finding the strategy, the weakness, whatever. Once you do, it's pretty easy because you now you're smart enough, you know. Like, or like leveling up your character to be able to. Yeah. Like you're going Pokemon style. Yeah, I like Pokemon. That's really my only reference to gaming. Right. Especially for RPGs, because it is it's an RPG. Um, or like, you know, a, a finding items to, like, potions and things like that to heal you and bring you back. Right. So, anyway, Final Fantasy VII, overall, great. This hard mode's going to make me not like it. So, I don't know if I'm going to keep going on that or not. Uh, but I may. And i um, going to keep playing, you know, basketball, Pow Wow. It's a goal. Yeah, lots of basketball in the evenings. Yep. So if you have any questions, suggestions, or corrections, please email us at a podcast with Mo. That is a p o d c a s t w i t h m o at gmail.com. Perfect. Boom. Um, all right, let's get on to your books. Books. So, in case y'all aren't familiar, Koopy comes on at the beginning of every month. Talk about the books you read the month before. And this is a big month. Yes, I read nine books in April. Bum, bum, bum. So I'm up to 25 books for 2020. 25 out of 65 was my goal. So I'm making pretty good progress. I think I'm technically ahead for people who were giving me some crap earlier on in the year about being behind. I think I've at least leveled that out. 
so yeah, um, it's quite a stack. I'll just jump in. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so the first book I read in a weekend. I read it just over a couple days. It's not that thick. Cool cover. It's a beautiful cover. It's called Wilder Girls by Rory Powers. And I have had cover lust for this book since last spring. And I never bought it for some reason. I just, it was, I mean, I just didn't. And I saw it all over the internet and it had great reviews and everybody loved this book. And so I went to a book festival, I think back in February, and I picked this one up because it was a signed edition. Right. And so I've been looking forward to reading it and it let me down so much. (laughs) It was not what I was wanting. I'm sure it's still a great book. It's a dystopian. No, no, no. Let me start over. Sci-fi horror LGBT friendly, yeah, romance thriller, I guess I would say. Um, and so it's kind of like this all female version of Lord of the Flies. These girls are trapped at this boarding school on this island that has been infected with some type of toxic disease, and their bodies, um, are falling apart and sometimes they grow extra bones and weird. I don't know. It was very weird. Like I think one character has like a whole extra spine on top of her spine sticking out of her back. Um, the main character on the book who I think is by it, she's missing an eye. So you can, her, her hair is covering her, her face. But anyway, it's a story of, you know, they're not allowed to leave this Island, but what happened, but they're not getting any, better they've actually stopped getting help from the people who are supposed to be finding a cure and like the cdc and all of that and so it's kind of become dystopian like on the island and so it's basically these two girls um baya and hetty and so different parts of the book are switching perspectives um one girl goes mysteriously missing and the other is determined to figure out where everybody's going and what happened and why this is happening to them and how come no one's helping them sort of thing. Right. Well, it sounds cool. So it's yeah. Summer, it sucked. And I don't know if it was just because with quarantine, right. This book just felt a little too real in a way, like the talks and the CDC, like it was just like all over this book. Right. And, um, big conspiracy theories. And I don't know. I just wasn't, it just wasn't the right, I don't think, time for me to read this book. Well, and it's also because you're uh, cover less probably as well. Yeah, and it just, the cover was so pretty. It just, I was drawn more to that than the actual story. So it's still um, got, like I said, a lot of really good reviews and people love it. It just wasn't what I wanted. Well, maybe the next one, Rory Power. She does have another book coming out this summer, I believe. I can't remember the name of it. It's probably listed somewhere in here. But, um, yeah, she does have – she's this was her debut novel, but she has another one coming out. Cool. It's a standalone. I will definitely be sharing that book with other people because I don't care about it. But. Right. Well, and the cover's cool, so they'll be like, all right, I'll read that. Yeah, anybody who tells me they like dystopian, I'm like, this one's for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the next book I read, I loved. All right. And it is called The Shadows Between Us by Trisha Levenseller. And I have read 
two of her other books. She has a duology, uh, Daughter of the Pirate King and Daughter of the Siren Queen. They go together. And those books are really funny rom-com adventure books. And she has another book out that I want to now read called Warrior of the Wild. And I think it's a Viking story. Um, The Shadows Between Us, the one that I just read, is like a gothic fantasy romance. And it's a prince of shadows and this girl, her plan is to woo him, marry him and kill him and take over power for herself. And she is, it's got a lot of really dark twisty humor. Um, like I think, I think the first here, I'll read you the first line of the book. Here's some character art you can look at while I read you the first line of the book. So fun thing. If you didn't know, a lot of publishers will send you, cool artwork and sometimes signed book plates if you pre-order a book. So I got some cool swag for pre-ordering this book. Here's the first sentence. They've never found the body of the first and only boy who broke my heart and they never will. So she's um, got some dark humor. Right. And she's a seamstress. She likes to sew her own dresses. So if you like fashion, that's a fun element to the story. She's quite provocative with her clothing choices and she's really uh scandalous when she goes to the castle to court the guy and he she doesn't play by any of the rules and of course he's attracted to her cuz right. that's how those stories go. And I'm not going to tell you how it ends, but it was a fun story. It was I just liked Trisha Levin Sellers' way of adding humor to her stories. Right. So I think Warrior of the Wild will be added to my list in the future. Well, cool. So, yeah. Big fan of hers. I I haven't read one of her books that I didn't like. Right. That's good. Am I going too fast? No. That's fine. Okay. I like the speed, personally, when I'm listening to podcasts. Okay. Um, so the next book I read, this is the third book, and it's called The Kingdom of Back by Marie Lu. Anyway, The Kingdom of Back is a historical fiction slash fantasy of the Mozart family. Mm. And so Amadeus, or not Amadeus, um, they call him Wolfrall, Wolfgang, um, and his sister Nanerol. Okay. So Wolferol and Nanerol, brother and sister, um, are, you know, educated by their father to be musicians. Um, Women, of course, or young girls were allowed to play the piano. You know, that was part of, you know, their skill and how they would delight a crowd or whatever. But once you got married, you put that aside. Like, it wasn't going to be a career. But for her brother, obviously, we know Mozart he became a famous composer and he made a career out of it. Um, but he really did idolize his sister and look up to her. And she was older and very talented. And they, when they were kids, their father would um, send them all over the, the country um, to play music for the aristocrats, right? right? And so that's a lot of carriage rides across the continent. And the children had created this fantasy world called the Kingdom of Back. And it was kind of like a way for them to pass the time, tell stories about this magical place. And that's like a true 
historical account, like that's something that they really did do. So Marie right. Lou had come across that and thought, that, wouldn't that be a cool story? So that's the Kingdom of Bach, uh, the sister of Mozart, the untold story. Um, it's sad. It definitely broke my heart, but it was really good. And it's a beautiful book. It's got silver sprayed edges. Um, yeah, I think I gave this one four. I would give this 4.5 stars. It wasn't quite a five star read. Neither, none of them at this point have been a five star read. Right. But I really liked it a lot. Oh, cool. Some people didn't. They thought it was a little slow, but I like historical fiction, so I don't mind the carriage rides. <laughs> well, cool. Okay. So that was That's three. That's three so far. Book number four is Stalking Jack the Ripper by Carrie Maniscalco. I think is how you say it. Maniscalco, something like Maniscalco. that. Maniscalco. And this book is a hit and miss for people. You either love it or hate it, apparently. I see. To me, this cover looks like something my mom would read. It does have kind of a cheesy element to it. <laughs> I really like um, serial killer stories. I always find I know, them interesting. Concerning. Like, I loved Dexter. And I yeah. love, like, uh, Law & Order SVU. Like, true crime, things like that. Um, Jack the Ripper is obviously a character, a real killer that people were fascinated with and still don't understand the mystery of. And so, Government I don't know. experiments, everyone should know. But Do what? It's government experiments. By Maybe. Royals. That's Maybe. What I think. The aristocrats. Um, well, Stalking Jack the Ripper is about this girl, uh, what's her name? Audrey Rose and her uncle is a mortician and she is interested in learning about the science of the body and so naturally that's kind of her in into this jack the ripper scenario the body her uncle is um the undertaker type guy for uh, the police and he's helping them and so she gets wound up in the cases and she wants to solve it and it's just kind of like a whodunit and then there's also a romance story thrown in there with this guy who is very reminiscent of Sherlock Holmes. So I just thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it kept me turning the page. I really liked it. Again, not a five-star read, um, but I will continue the series. The second book is about Dracula. Cool. So I like retellings and things like that. Right. Historical fiction, retelling, romance. So that was Stalking Jack the Ripper. Oh, cool. So I thought you read this one last month. But maybe not. The cover looks that you're about to show off. <laughs> I think I just started this at the beginning of the month. Oh. So anyway, the next book, <laughs> I was trying to stop you. It just Well, now I'm getting funny. confused. No, I don't think I read. I, last month it was this purplish one. Um, that would be what I'm thinking of. But you, ha you have seen me holding this book. Right. It's true. I have. Since then. Right. So anyway, what's your next book? It's called Frozen Tides by Morgan Rhodes, and it's number four in the Falling Kingdoms series. Um, four main characters, Cleo, Magnus, Jonas, and Lucia, have been rivals and... 
comrades for four books now. So it's hard to really um, say anything without giving anything away. But um, Cleo and Magnus are, it's a love story between the two of them. So you're kind of figuring out if they're ever going to fall in love or not. I feel like I'm spoiling things. And then Jonas is a rebel who is grown up poor and he's trying to, you know, fight the poor man's fight and bring justice to the kingdoms. And then Lucia um, is this young princess who didn't know that she had magic powers her entire life until one day she does. And now she's gone like crazy. Right. So that's kind of like a gist of where we are at the series right now. I felt like book four was really just wrapping up book three and setting up book five. Nothing really happened much except a couple of surprise things with, you know, characters either dying or getting married. And you're like, oh, wow, I didn't I mean, see that coming. That same thing happened uh, in the Game of Thrones books or A Song of Ice Fire books um, because originally he just wanted to make a trilogy. And then towards the end of book three, it was like, how about you write some more of those? It was like, oh, shit. So you got to use four to set up. Five, right. You know. Yeah. That might have been something that Morgan Rhodes ran into as well. Um, I do think it leaves a lot of potential. Like they're, the way they leave book four sets up book five pretty well. Um, so I think I'll like book five quite a bit. But this one was definitely uh, my least favorite in the series so far. I think I gave it three stars, which to me just means it was good. Right. Not great. Not awesome, but it was good. For sure. And the cover, um, I, I do, I, they go to the north in this book. They've been in the southern part of the continent for the last three books. So it was fun to get a setting change. I will say that. You get kind of a more wintry setting. And then also the world opens up and some of the characters are on a whole other continent um, in Croatia that's supposed to be like this most beautiful paradise world. So you get two new settings in this book that you didn't get to see right. in the others. So I will give it that. Oh, cool. So, yes. Um, moving right along. One, two, three, four, five. So your sixth. Sixth book. Another dud for me. Bum, bum, bum. It's called The Midnight Lie by Marie Retkowski. And, again, I just didn't do my research on this book. Um, it's set in the same world as a whole other series called the winner's trilogy. And I never read the winner's trilogy. So I just read this one because it came out and it had a lot of buzz and it was included in some book boxes that I don't subscribe to, but you know, generally have great picks. And so I was like, I'll read that one. So I picked it up at that book festival. It's a signed edition, but it just, didn't have anything new for me. I've kind of, when I started reading it, I already felt like I was missing something. Like the world had already been established in the winner's trilogy or something. And I just felt a little lost. Right. Um, but the characters are clearly doing a whole new storyline. Um, so I think you could still, I mean, I don't know. Right. You it could was enjoy okay. it, but probably needed the extra. Yeah, I should have probably read the other books first. Um, So I gave this one three stars. Um, Yeah, it's a fantasy about... It's a lesbian love story, so LGBT friendly. Most are. I have um, seen that's quite trendy. Uh, I mean... I think it's just because they haven't had a lot of characters represent them. 
And so now, are like all of the people authors are the, are they? I don't as know. Well? Like, because to me, and again, I think I go around the world pretty much like Trevor the same. I wouldn't think about one way or the other because, like, I as a straight person, you know, I don't know what my story would be, but I wouldn't be like, and then this one's gay because we need that. But it seems like that is how most stories. I mean, this is definitely a debated point in the book community. Um, Sarah J. Mass, who I really enjoy her Akatar series, A Court of Thorns and Roses, right? She has written two very successful series, and she got a lot of crap for never including a diverse character. Like, they were all white. But aren't they all based in, like, a... And I guess that's a whole other point of debate. Like, so I'm always like, well, if it's based in a historically... It's a fantasy series. Right, and that's the thing. is people are like, well, if it's fantasy, just change it. But I'm like, I still think if you're based on knights and things like that, you're still basing it in, like, the 15, 1400s. Well, or... in Throne of Gla- Glass, there's not much diversity. So she tries to add more in Akatar, But then people still gave her crap for not having enough. So I think it's just people are tired of the singular story and they want to hear from more right. perspectives. Well, I'm just saying, like, if uh, when a story is set in Africa, people aren't bitching that there's not enough diversity. Or if it was set in an all-gay cast, people aren't like, well, where's the diversity? We need more than just gay people in this story. So, like, I just don't think that's the real argument. So, you want to be represented, that's fine, but I don't know. I just know it's like, over half years, you're like, and it's very LGBTQ-friendly. Well, I think... Especially in young adult literature, it's not something that's been a thing in the past. So now more authors are doing it. Right. Um, it's just weird, trendy words and <laughs> shit. Um, so the next two books I don't physically own, I read on ebook. Um, I'll have to look them up real quick because I can't remember the authors. The first ebook is Verity by Colleen Hoover. And Verity is an adult very adult fiction domestic thriller. So if you don't like the F word or sex scenes or slight violence. Yeah. What does domestic thriller mean? It means it's set in a home and there's like a husband and a wife. It's like a thriller, but just set in a home. Yeah. So, well, basically, um, Verity. Okay. So the story is about this girl named Lowen, who is a writer and, um, she's, has talent, but she hasn't really like hit the bestseller list. Right. And her, her manager calls or her agent calls her in for a meeting, an exciting opportunity. And it turns out that this very famous writer, Verity Crawford, has been in a terrible accident and is not able to complete her series. So they want Lowen to ghostwrite it. And so she goes to the house to stay because Verity's manuscript, like there's just too much paperwork or whatever, to send her. So it would just be easier for her to go and stay at the house. So Verity is in like a vegetable-like state with a nurse. And then there's her husband who is still raising their son. But you also learn that they've had two daughters that have died um, suddenly and kind of mysteriously. And while uh, Verity is upstairs being treated by a nurse... Lowen is in her office going through her manuscripts and she stumbles across an autobiography and it's all of these horrible confessions of Verity's life. And so that's where like this thriller comes in, like you, like this woman 
is she really in a vegetable-like state or is she faking her injuries and like what's going on in this marriage? Right. Um, and there's like a little affair. Like it's very intense, very intense. And there's some very disturbing chapters in her autobiography that I can't say anything about or I'll spoil. Right. Yeah, sounds cool. It was definitely um, an interesting book. I gave it four stars. And it's free right now on ebook. So if you have Kindle downloaded, you should. Was that even it. if you have just the Kindle app on? Yeah, a phone? she when um, the quarantine went into effect, Colleen Hoover, the author, made a bunch of her books just free for anyone to read. Cool. Yeah, so I downloaded, I think, four of her books that day. Haha, <laughs> got her. <laughs> well, I. <laughs> I mean, I will. I have bought a couple. I like. I bought your mom a Colleen Hoover book, and so, right. So she's a really famous writer, and she has a ton of books. She can afford it. She clearly felt like she did. Yeah, for That's sure. Good. So yeah, Colleen Hoover, check her out. Um, Verity was that book, and then I also read on my Kindle through Prime Reading, so it was free if you have Prime. The Bean Town Girls by Jane. Healy, I'm going to say. I'll be honest. It sounds kind of like a kid's book about farting. Remember you told me the name the first time. That's what I thought of, and I think it every time. No, it's a historical. The Bean Town Girls. There's like little farting girls. They're from Beantown, Massachusetts, I want to say. thought that was Boston. Well, yeah. Like, they're out. Yeah, they're like from the Boston area. that they and they, right. um They go to the UK and then on into France. And so it's a world Um, war two. And so they call them a bean town. And they're the bean town girls. Yeah. And so they, it's a group of three women who during world war two have decided to join the red cross and work for the club mobile uh, organization. And basically they would make coffee and donuts and lift the spirits of the soldiers. Um, I bet they would. And it's, love story all three women find love See? sort of thing that um it was i would say it's like a hallmark world war ii story like it was cute i wouldn't normally say war books are cute but this one was a cute read right so i think it'd make a cute hallmark movie or something like that if you liked like the guernsey literary and potato peel pie society you might like this but Guernsey, I still think is way better. I think I gave Guernsey five stars. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember when you were reading it, but it's also harder for me to keep up now that you have your Kindle and all that. Your whole reading will be different. It will. I did get a Kindle. That's kind of new. We haven't talked about that. I know. That. I thought you were going to lead off with that one earlier. but Well, <clears throat> when I read those two books, they were actually on my old Kindle. Oh, yeah. So these I didn't read on my new yeah, Kindle. Yeah, so my mom got you a Kindle Fire a couple years ago or whenever. Yeah, the Fire 7. And then um, you have gotten purchased a Paper White. Yes. So the Paper White is new and um, I, it just came this week. And it's basically just monochromatic. Yeah, it's all black and white. Of... It's e ink. So it has more of like a book yeah. look to the page. Have you ever seen an old school Kindle? Y'all get it. But. Yeah. But um, the last book I read, so this is book number nine, and this was definitely my favorite book of the month. It's called Homegoing by Yah Gossi. 
I'm sorry if I'm saying your last name wrong, but I'm not sure. Um, it's a very, very powerful story. It's, I think came out in 2016. So I'm a little behind. My mother bought this book and lent it to me. And I just never got around to reading it because sometimes it just has to be your idea, right? Yes. Um, but I picked it up because it looked short. And I was like, I think I could read that in about a week. Um, it took me almost two weeks, I think. I don't know. It seemed like it took me a long time. But it's about 300 years of... I'm not really explaining it well. It follows two half-sisters... And all their descendants. And all their descendants over 300 years. Thank you. Um, so the two sisters have never met. They don't know each other or anything like that. They were born um, in Ghana. Uh, and one of them is in one village and another's in another village, right? So one of the sisters ends up getting married to an English man who's come over for the slave trade. And she lives in like this aristocratic type of life. Like he, he's her second, his second wife, right? Like right. he has a English family back home and then over here is his African family. Right. So that's one storyline and it's kind of her descendants and everybody that hap- that she, yeah, yeah, like I don't know. And then um, the other one gets sold into slavery and ends up obviously in America and it's the gen- 300 generations in Af- of in America as an African and just kind of the different, it, obviously it goes through civil war. It goes through the Harlem Renaissance and the great migration North. Um, it goes into the sixties and seventies with the civil rights and the Muslim brotherhood. And so there's all kinds of historical checkpoints along the way. Um, and it was really powerful. It was sad. A lot of it was kind of hard to read, but it was like, it felt important. Like you needed to recognize the the struggles that these people have gone through. Right. And this is probably like your favorite book in a while, right? Yes. I definitely gave this one five stars. It has a lot of moments that make you think. And um, I think it should be talked about more. Um, I know she has another book coming out this fall. So I'm going to pick that up. I was really shocked when I looked up Yagasi. This was her debut novel and she wrote it when she was like 26. Right on. So very talented woman. Great story. I did a crap job explaining it. Um, But you should look it up because it's really good. Well, cool. I mean, I know we have no room to talk because we're just white people, but it seems like if you were like a black person, because we have some of those people listening, it seems like you would like a must read because it tells like the whole history of yes. both the Africa. More or less, the way I would explain it, if you're asking me to like layman terms it, I would say it's roots, but it also includes um, the African side and then it goes up way past to just freedom. It also keeps going up until like modern. Yeah, like it ends with modern day times in America and um yeah, on the back it says and each chapter is a different person and cuz I remember every time you're yeah. like I got to start a new one it's so like a short story. Yeah, that's something I shouldn't bring up. Each chapter is obviously it's a new generation and it's a new person's perspective. So some people didn't like it because they felt like they had just gotten invested into one character and then in the next chapter 
it would be like their child's perspective and what their child went through. But to me, that's almost more meaningful. Right. Um, because their stories continue. When, when you get there, uh, well, this is what happened because you can see what happened. And then in, by like chapter 14, you like, I know what shaped this person, even if they don't know their history themselves. So it's right. just, I don't know. And that's, I think, part of the narrative is that it is supposed to make you, I think, a little bit uncomfortable because it can be uncomfortable not knowing your full history. So maybe that was part of her intention. Right. And again, I'm one of those people, I do not know any of my history genealogically past my grandparents. And I don't care at all. Never even thought about See, it. See, I think it's interesting. I want I want my, I want to, I was thinking the other day that I should get my father a DNA kit for Father's Day. I mean, I've thought I kind of want a DNA kit because I would be curious, but like it just won't. If someone comes back and it's like, you're 98% Scottish, I'm not going to be like, get me the fucking kilt. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I don't think it would affect me that way. But maybe, maybe it would. I know on my mother's side, my mother's father's side, because my mother's brother is the one who did the right. the test. Um, it's a little country on the line of France and Germany. Or Luxembourg? A little city. Um, oh, I don't really know. I think so. Well, you said a country. A city is not as different. Well, I think it was. It was like I'm gonna say it wrong. I don't want to try. Cr French. Yeah. Well, it's like at one point it was part of Germany, but now it's part of France. I see. So it's some disputed lands. Yes. Gotcha. So it's like French German mix. Um. I mean, I've looked at my last name. Uh. Not that it's my actual last name, and they say it comes from England. I've looked up my last name I was born with. They say it comes from England. And I've looked up my biological father's last name, and they say England or Northern Africa, which I'm thinking probably got there from England. And so chances are it's all England. But then again, I thought I got this kind of flat face, kind of nativish or something, a little more than a lot of uh, Northern Europeans. See, my dad's mother looked very Native American. Right. But she doesn't. We don't have a roll number or anything like that, which is a big thing here in Oklahoma. Oh yeah, and because like friends, I I love this argument. Me and Powell talked about it a long time ago, but like you know, Powell is the type of native who has. Uh, first off, he wants to be called Indian, not native. But he's the type that has a roll number, you know, and all that has a card and stuff. And he'll be like, "Well, yeah, because my people were proud to be Indian, and so they took it." Whereas in like my grandfather, who is my mom's stepdad, but he's like been my grandfather my whole life. He's like a quarter Indian, and you can kind of tell once you really look at him. And he's like, my people would have never took the white man stuff. <laughs> so, like, it just, no matter what side you're on, you'll, like, in your mind be like, because we were the better Indians. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a weird thing that is, like, a, a surprisingly kind of, like, an issue in Oklahoma that you wouldn't right. think of. So, like, my grandpa, I mentioned his his kids, you know, uh, my mom's a stepdaughter, of course, but his kids, they went and looked up all this stuff through their mom and backtracked so to get Indian cards. Like, they went out of their way. And then, like, maybe they've done it through his stuff, but he, like, refused it. He was like, mm. It's not just that you have to prove that you were Native American. You have to prove which tribe specifically. So that makes it a little harder. Right. We got to check the roles. Yeah. Uh, so, which, and again, I, me and Powell back in the day on our first five episodes or something, when I brought up $5 Indians because I looked it all up because we were trying to get to the bottom of why so many Indians look white. And it was because back in, like, 1900, you could just pay some guy $5 and he would just – yeah, you're Indian. 
And then you were. Now you had to live like that for the however long to get your land and do all your stuff. But that was a thing that happened. So where Cheating people now system. that are like, I'm a hundred percent. You're like, you have blue eyes. There's just no. Your ancestor paid for that. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> It's just interesting stuff. But um, anyway, we got off track at the end, but I always say that's better. Um, but yeah, that was nine books. Good good month for books. How many are you going to do next month? Um, I always, I'm going to try to set the bar at six. All right. But who knows? But the six that I've chosen are all kind of thick, quite long. Thick. Thick stack. Um, well, good luck. Good Thank luck you. on the books. Um, I'm going to see if, I think at the end of this episode, we're going to try to do a Discord hangout. So we're going to see if. I'll ask them what their favorite books are. See if we get any suggestions. Um, But all right. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Peace. Beats.